Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host today again, Inman Narwin, and I use they them pronouns. Uh, we're back again this week to finish up our chat with Wone and Roxy from the Woven Ends Collective to talk about death and dying. I'm not sure exactly where the episode got cut in half, but today we're probably going to hear a lot more about caring for people who are dying and the work of a death doula. Like last week, we're talking about some heavy stuff, but in the spirit of building more resilient communities that can prepare for the end times together in all ways. And again, we hope that conversations like this can help shift how people talk about death and dying. And we don't want to bring this stuff up to either romanticize death or to incite fear of death. It's just going to happen. And I know I would like for my circles to have all the resources that they need when I die. And oh, please, God, don't embalm me. I really, really, really want to rot. Does this count as a power of attorney? As we learned last week, no. It does not. Content warning again. At some point, we talked about the idea of choosing to die from the perspective of being terminally ill. But before we go into it, we are a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts, and here's a jingle from another show on that network. Do 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 do. Welcome to Molotov Now, a podcast about taking action. In Molotov Now, we analyze and discuss news articles and stories of resistance from around the globe and connect them to our struggles here at home in Aberdeen, Washington. In the spirit of building solidarity between the rural and the urban, we hope to inspire direct action in the face of oppression and to light a fire to find each other in the darkness. So what what is kind of the pathway from like say that I die tomorrow I die in a hospital like what is the pathway between like I die in a hospital and my friends bury me in our home cemetery like where like how how does the possession of my remains work like like in little miss sunshine are people going to have to like pay to get my corpse like can they get my my corpse like how does how does that work yeah so you don't the you know whoever is the designated person so either the next of kin legally or the or the legally uh designated healthcare power of attorney who's also your power of attorney over your disposition they will have the rights to your body and you do not have to and if you die in a hospital, you're not going to have to pay to have the body released to you. Um, what normally happens is the hospital will give a family a list of funeral homes. And then from there, you call the funeral home. And then the funeral home will do all the transportation. And then you often won't even see that exchange from the hospital to the funeral home. You'll go to the funeral home and make arrangements and go from there. But if, as the 
person with the rights, you can do all of that yourself. You can go pick them up and drive them to where they need to be. It's, and this is where like educating around like bodily care and home funerals is really important because there are like logistical things you need to think about transportation and caring for the body at home. And so it, it can be a little daunting to do on your own, but if you have, you know, if there's a lot of people supporting you. It's, it is actually not very hard. Like the, the intimidation factor is the hardest part. Um, and have, you know, and, you know, having a vehicle that can get you home and a space where you can do the burial. Um, those are really the biggest parts. Um, and we all kind of know inherently how to do these rituals. Like once you enter into that space, it's, it's really beautiful. Like how people just like fall into these different roles that they feel really, really confident in. And yeah, so I would say, you know, if you're not going on that normal mode from hospital, funeral home to cemetery, like having a lot of people involved to care for the process. Um, it is, yeah, it's, it's very doable and, uh, and beautiful. Cool. Um, will, this is a weird logistical question, but I feel like this is kind of, you know, what, what we're here for. Um, like say, like if I, if I die and I die in a hospital, then, and like, say my, my, you know, my family, chosen family support network, which have like, you know, whoever it is say that, and we're trying to do like a home burial. Um, and they're not ready to, you know, take possession of my body. Like, will the, will the hospital hold on to it for a little while in like a refrigerator? Like what, if, what if they're like not ready for, for it what if they like you know obviously i just died maybe they need like a week to to deal with it but they don't want me involved and want to take possession of my remains mm -hmm. i can't say for like the exact timeline i think it's probably different state by state but there is a limit on to how long uh, a person can stay in a hospital more and so that's a good thing to know, like where you are. Uh, but another good thing to know is that often you can work with funeral home to just do transportation or cold storage to give mm -hmm. you time. And so I think that would be the best pathway is like, okay, we're not ready. Let's call a funeral home and just get them to pick our person up and and put them in cold storage and that'll give us time to like breathe and figure out what we need to do and and then from there like you can ask them to you know transport them to where they need to go or you can pick them up from the funeral home so you, you can like chip away at what the funeral home is offering and some you know sometimes it'll be met with a little resistance but like you can you know, ask for you know advocating and have different having more people to negotiate 
associated with different parts of the process. It was really helpful. Yeah, cool. That is that is good to know. Um, so, like, I feel like we keep going back to this kind of like power of attorney. Um, the so if I get like a like a medical power of attorney, does that extend to my remains? Like, does who has my medical power of attorney also have like the rights to the to my dispossession or? Yeah, the answer is yes, and it's important to get a good advanced directive. Some advanced directives don't have a section for disposition, and it's important to get one that does. Um, because if it doesn't, then that is a situation where there could be, like, yeah, where if it's contested on who has rights, the advanced directive could fall short. So like knowing that your advanced directive has that part, that section in it is really important. Not all do and it sucks. So figuring out that you have the the right kind of advanced directive. And a lot of a lot of them do, but some of the popular ones, like the five wishes, which is really popular, it doesn't have that section in there. You can write it in yourself, but if you're doing it and don't have guidance and never done it before, uh, that part can be missed. And then, yeah, and then you could lose that right if it gets contested or if there's a situation. Yeah. Um, and then, like, yeah, I guess... It's weird that I think that this is like so, and maybe this is part of it is like in my head, all of these decisions are like, like these weird legal red tape or I'm like, I'm like, it's, I'm surprised to hear and, you know, grateful to hear that like my friends could just get my body and like do whatever, like do what, not whatever they want with it, but like hopefully do what I want them to do with it. Um, <laughs> But it's like dispelling this myth that like I have died and like the state owns me. The state like owns my body and the state like determines what happens to it. Like I had this question for y'all where I was like, okay, but like how do I get my like uh how do I get my the name that I go by and people know me in the world on my tombstone instead of um my legal name and it's like it's because in my head like the social security administration is like who sends the form to like the 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 stone carver to like make that and it's like i'm like why do i have these these weird myths in my head about like who owns my body oh yeah i mean because we live in like when we're you know quote unquote healthy like we're we're dealing with that every day like people owning our time you know like the capitalist uh yeah the capitalist greed has infected all parts of our body i think yeah it's really easy to assume that it will affect us after death too yeah and like on your note about the the your stone like a headstone 
yeah, it, you can put whatever you want on it. Honestly, like it's, it's up to you and, you know, the stone carver, um, and the cemetery. So it's, there's, there's no like law or regulation around that. It's just whoever has the rights of disposition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I know Wone, you have to go in a second. So I just have this, this one last question and, you know, maybe this is more of a, a Roxy question or I don't know. Um, so like I can have a home burial. Can I, can I die at home? Are there complications to me, like legal complications for like my friends to like, say I'm like having some kind of medical emergency and like my friends know and my power of attorney that I don't want anything done. Like, Oh, that there are like interventions that are like, that I've like excluded like CPR or anything. And I'm in a situation where I need CPR. If they watch me die, is that legally complicated for them? No, actually. Um, well, I mean, could be in the way that there would have to be like a lot of pro- proving different things. Um, but it's it's not illegal to die at home. It's also not illegal to choose death. So maybe like slight content warning, you know, it's like it's not illegal to choose to die. Um, and um, it's it, you don't put other people at risk for any kind of weird legal things for um, for being present when, for example, if someone chose to die um, and and you were there, those that's that's not a legal issue. Yeah, yeah, I would just say you know like be mindful that if 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 there isn't a doctor involved or you know ongoing palliative care like hospice uh it's like considered to be unexpected um in a way so whenever like say you die at home whoever finds you or if they're there they need to call emergency services the ms Mm -hmm. um and usually like you know, you can you can tell them to come quietly without their lights off, but they'll need to come. And if there isn't a clear, you know, reason or like you can't, you know, often the medical examiner uh, or always the medical examiner will need to be there if there isn't a doctor involved. And and then that often means that police can be there too. So it's you know, if, if if you have the choice to plan on this, just everyone involved, you know, planning, like creating a, a, a complete safety plan around that, um, because that will be the response that EMS will need to come and sometimes the police too. And the yeah. situation really varies, like, in Washington state, I volunteer doing um, like medical aid and dying support. So I go and sit with people um, who have a terminal diagnosis. I've been given six or less months 
left to live and they ingest um, a medication that ends their life. So like in those situations, you know, doctors have signed off on it. People know, but um, folks are absolutely dying at home. And we have loose terms around like what home is in that case. But um, yeah, and in those situations, like, for example, maybe a patient did have hospice, we'll call hospice. Otherwise, you know, we'll call medical examiners or, you know, like you have to, you have to notify someone but um, but yeah, dying at home, and honestly, like, uh, I know that this can also be like an issue of resource, and there th- this could be a complicating statement. But I feel like if if it is possible, and you feel safe to die at home, and the people that are in your home feel safe with you dying at home. That to me, that is a really ideal scenario and is like a really comfortable and safe and 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 a nice place to to no longer have to exist in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to go in? I do. Thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, if there's any any kind of like last things that you want to say before you go or like anything you want to plug, I'm sure. But um, uh, also, this isn't we didn't really get into this as much. And maybe I would love to have you back on to talk about this. But like, um, would love to at some point talk, have you back on to talk more about just like grief and like mourning. If that's mm. something that you want to talk about, not now, but at a later situation totally yeah 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 that would be really sweet yeah i think we both both would have a lot of really awesome perspective on that Um, probably different you know like every it's all different so yeah Yeah. that would be that would be sweet yeah great great well thanks so much for coming on yeah yeah have a beautiful day i hope it's not too hot (laughs) yeah (laughs) Okay. Bye. I'll see you. Bye. So I wanted to kind of double back on this question that came up before. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess it's kind of, it's, or it's a little unrelated to this, but um, uh, keep going back to the medical power of attorney. I feel like this is like the golden point yeah. of the, of the episode is get, a power of attorney um yes and does my hospital debt also pass on to my power of attorney or does that how how does hospital debt work like if i die and there are unpaid hospital bills like what happens where does that go totally yeah um that's a great question i don't fully have the answer to that it wouldn't just go to someone because they're your power of of attorney that would be more like um like the person who has control of your assets mm-hmm. so um yeah in those scenarios the person who has financial control would be the one that would then you know is supposed to settle up but i honestly that's not that's not my powerhouse so i'm not totally sure yeah i don't have the answer to that i'm so sorry oh no worries i you know i'm here to I love bringing up questions, even if they're yeah. not, uh, if even if there's no like clear answers to them. Totally. 
I was, I was thinking of the situation where like, you know, like I, like I, I, I do love my family. Um, uh, I don't think I want them controlling my remains, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think my family listens to the show. So hopefully they didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> but, but say I, you know, if I, you know, if I hated my family, um, then like I'm imagining the situation where I've given my like medical power of attorney and like rights to my dispossession to, you know, my chosen family. And then like, like, but financially, like that my assets are still tied to my like next of kin. Like, so I could like give all the good parts to my friends and then like shirk the debt off on my like piece of shit family. (laughs) (laughs) which you know that's a hypothetical i i I love my family um all my families but yeah 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 that's that's a spicy that's a spicy suggestion slash question i like it yeah or i don't know it makes me think about like um like i had a friend who this was years and years ago and i think we were all like like 22 or something and they were like like oh i have to go like sign these weird documents today and i was like oh why and they were like oh my friend is making me the trustee for their life insurance policy and i was like this 22 year old is getting a life insurance policy and they're like yeah they're like yeah so if this person accidentally dies like i will get a million dollars and i was like yeah that is okay yeah how do we (laughs) not how do we like scam death because that's not what's going on but like i'm like yeah how to wonder thinking about how how we like set people up for like if something does happen to us that instead of inheriting debt they're like getting money or something i don't know um definitely and there are people thinking of that and i think it's so cool and um yeah i think that that could be a really great way to to resource a community also you know being like okay death is inevitable some of us are going to die younger than others as many of us as we possibly can like maybe we should all throw in together and have kind of like a big mass like life insurance thing like like kitty where everyone you know to make sure everyone can get a policy and at the end of that you can you know ask that those funds go to whatever community project or you know or people that you know that uh could really benefit from that resource um yeah i think that that's really really smart and the cool thing too is, you know, obviously depending on state and depending on the policy, um, it covers all different kinds of death, um, in- including chosen death. Um, and that's not always true, but there are many cases in which that is true. Um, you just have to have the policy for a certain amount of years or, you know, there's circumstances in which that's also the case, which I think is just good, good to remember. Yeah, which it's like obviously I would gonna put all of as many much resources as I can into like people in my community not dying, but yes, we are, you know, like you said, we are 
all going to die. And um, unfortunately, we do live in a rapidly changing world and a world that has always been, you know, very dangerous for queer people, for trans people, for people of color, for mm-hmm. uh, for disabled people, for, yeah. you know, all of all of these all of these different kinds of people and i it's like i never i just never want i never want to see like uh like a mutual aid or like crowdfunding request for like extreme funeral expenses you know and because it's like that is obviously important to be able to like mourn someone and uh celebrate someone in Mm -hmm. uh the ways that they wanted or in like not rushed ways or in like ways that aren't like financially ripping people's lives apart um yeah i don't know yeah just fun things to think about totally yeah definitely to switch switch gears a little bit you have spent a lot of time hanging out with people while they're dying um and i'm wondering if you wanted to just talk talk about that a little bit i feel like i don't have any like super specific questions around that but it's something that i'm something that i'm very unfamiliar with and wish i i mean i don't wish that people that i was close to were dying but yeah you know i always want tools for navigating uh those experiences when they do happen yeah yeah so i feel like um getting to spend time with people in their last few moments is such a special and specific form of intimacy that can't really be recreated you know i feel like death workers tend to and i've also been guilty of this myself just talk about like how beautiful the you know this process is and what a gift it is to get to be in the space and I believe and agree with all of that and I also know that for grieving people it doesn't always feel beautiful to watch your loved one you know, maybe their body looks different than than you're used to. Or, you know, like to, to watch someone go through this sort of like this change, this metamorphosis doesn't always feel um, special and beautiful to people when they're when they're grieving. So I don't I don't wanna yeah, negate the, the heaviness of it. But yeah. I, I think you know, in a way, it is really beautiful and it is really special. And, um, you know, they say like hearing is, is the last thing to go. So something that I, I always urge family members um, when they're in the room with someone who seems like, you know, like they can't interact with you. They're just breathing and um and you know you you can't really like have much um interaction with them it's just to talk to them 
Mm. um, and tell them the things that either, you know, last words that you wish that you could tell them. Or um, I think oftentimes dying people want permission, um, want permission to die. Um, and, um, you know, if people can, I, I really encourage them in, in those last moments, those last bits to just like, you know, to, to release someone from this, like, <sighs> from this earthly existence. Um, and I don't get, you know, I have, I am not going to speak to, to whether or not we just die, whether or not there's an afterlife what a, you know that's that's not my wheelhouse but i do know that but it feels so nice when to know that someone is letting you know that it's okay to go you know um and that you know people are going to be okay um like what a relief and what a gift that can be to someone yeah and the whole point of all of this, including, you know, the advanced directives and having your your dispossession stuff figured out and all of this is just to, is to set us up to pe- be able to provide the people that we love more time and space to grieve in ways that feel appropriate for them. You know, the more decisions we make for them about how to deal with the fact that we've died. That's just offering up so much space. And then people get to really be in their process. If, mm-hmm. you know, if they can, sometimes it takes people years to grieve. Um, but, uh, you know, as much as we can set them up for success, I think that's the best, best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I know the answer to this, but just to vocalize it as a question, like, is it important for like a a death doula to be close to the person that they are providing end of life care for? And how would, how would you phrase those words? What terms, what terms would you use? Like, I guess I want to make sure that I understand the question. Mm-hmm. Like, do you mean like physically close, or you mean like, is it important that the death doula be in relation and like community with that person? The latter, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely not. I think that 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 is a wonderful scenario, and when that can happen, like, what a beautiful gift, and like the the depths that you can go to together and like figuring out this process is just like even better. But I think, you know, sometimes people really want someone who's kind of removed Um, because some of this sadly is our like transactional decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels like a little too close to home or or someone can't be fully honest with someone that they know really well and they want sort of like kind of like a stranger buffer kind of like you know why why some of us choose therapists you know Mm -hmm. like 
you want this kind of like outside resource that you can reflect and say things that you might not want to say to someone that you really love, you know? Um, I think that it can be a similar thing. So, you know, I think it's great when it can happen that it be someone that you're close to. And I also understand why some people want it to be like a stranger. There's, there's benefits to both. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, I feel weird to bring this component into it and I don't really remember these books. Um, and I've also heard that the author is questionable, like all, like a lot of people in the world, but there was this concept that, you know, I'm half remembering from a book, uh, this, did you ever read speaker for the dead? Mm-mm. Um, is this book by Orson Scott card, um, who, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's questionable thing. I I don't know, but it proposed this, you know, this concept of this person who was this like speaker for the dead, and like this person's like role was to go around and like kind of like facilitate these um, these like rituals or these processes around people who had died, and like you know they're pointedly like not even necessarily part of that community um and you know they've maybe never and they've probably never interacted with even like the living person Mm -hmm. and i you know i found that i found that concept super interesting and alluring um when i was 12 and reading these books Uh, which is ultimately not really what the the, that book was about but the concept (laughs) of a speaker for the dead or like that's maybe not even necessarily like what a death duel is it was it was just super interesting and intriguing to me um yeah yeah that sounds really cool the thing that it that i thought of when you said that was just thinking about like like feeling cautious around some of that like um like as a white person making sure that you are not walking into communities of color and trying to tell them uh how to grieve and what a funerary process can look like and things like that so yeah I think it's interesting to think about like the outsider piece and also yeah mm-hmm. sounds like that's not what the book was saying but that's what it brought up for me <laughs> just thinking about um yeah I know I keep mentioning how death work and birth work are so similar but I think um both things have historically been you know really uh whitewashed and um have been uh, given to like uh, more privileged communities, you know, like like many good forms of care are saved for um, extreme privilege. But hopefully, we're changing that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, one kind of like I guess you know, post life uh, death 
morning celebratory experience flailing for for words turns out our culture doesn't have a lot of words for talking about these things maybe that's part of the problem yeah but like one like one thing that i've heard about i've never experienced one that i was always like that sounds amazing and you know i'm i'm not part of this culture i'm not I'm, so you know i'm not going to not going to have one um or anything i just think it's beautiful is the like the idea of second lines which are a thing in New Orleans. I don't know if they're specific to New Orleans. Um, do, you, do you know much about second lines? I feel like I'm they're bringing so up a concept. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like it would be appropriate for me to really like yeah. ex- explain it because it's also not my culture. Yeah. But I think that it's such a, I have seen second lines and I think that it's such a beautiful and you know, joyous way for a community to come together and mourn and grieve together and dance and scream. And, and yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful ritual. That is what I can say about it. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah. such a beautiful ritual. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that, you know, we can um, think of and create more and more beautiful rituals as we go along on on ways to to both celebrate and grieve at the same time because those two things really you know joy and grief really love each other we we often treat them as opposites but they are because of one we have the other and it's it's such a beautiful blend yeah yeah I feel like this is getting into a territory that I absolutely want to talk about more, but I also really want to have y'all back on at some point to talk about like mourning and grieving and kind of like post death experiences. Um, Love to do that. Wonderful. So yeah, I don't don't want to get into it too much, but um, um, yeah. Are there, are there any other kinds of things about like, like kind of, like death doula ing death being a de- being a death doula that you want to like bring bring into this into this conversation. I'm sorry, I don't have any. I'm super intrigued by it, but I don't have any yeah. like, specific questions. Like, yeah, totally. You know, the thing that I think I would talk more about, but I don't exactly know how to really get it going, is to talk about um like death with dignity sort of yeah like right to die stuff because it is really changing in this country right now and it's really exciting um and there are definitely aspects of it that are contentious but i feel really privileged to be someone that has gotten to experience um this kind of like pretty extreme form of autonomy and self-direction um, that I find really um, in- inspiring and, and intense and brave. And, um, and I don't really know, you know, it's like my role and capacity as someone who sits with people 
um, making these choices isn't as a death doula. It's just as a volunteer, a member of a community who deeply believes and advocates for the fact that um, people shouldn't have to die alone. And I think because of this um, specialization thing that we've touched on a few times, people don't feel confident dying or um, sitting with people while they die or, you know, all, all pretty much all of the things that we've been talking about in this, in this episode. And I think, yeah, the more that we're educating each other, the more that we're talking about these things as a community, asking questions, the more confident we will be in, um, in approaching these situations and making autonomous and educated and self-directed um, decisions for ourselves, And that's, that's like, that's really the point here is autonomy and, and, and self-determination. Um, and as a queer, as an anarchist, you know, like all of the things that, that feels like such an important place that we're not just trying to figure out those things in our life, but that we're also figuring out those things in, in our death. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, God, this is a weird question, but do you, do you have any tips for people who are like, who are sitting with people who are dying or like holding space or like caring for people who are dying, um, who, you know, people who aren't death doulas, like say that that yeah. the, that person's friends and loved ones totally like someone sitting with their grandmother for just a, an example something like that you know ask questions if at all possible if verbal communication is a possibility i i would ask questions touch touch each other I feel like that's such a, a powerful gift and tool that we can use. You know, I think because we lack the the confidence in in death and in dying, you know, it's almost like, oh, somebody just died, like I'm not allowed to touch them, like it becomes a crime scene or something. And that's not the case. When my father died, I absolutely climbed into the bed and just laid next to him for a long time. And that felt like such an important part of my healing process. And that might not be true for other people, but yeah, I really encourage people to, to really, as much as they feel comfortable to be hands-on, ask questions. And if it seems like, you know, if this is like a, a consenting situation, you know, I recorded my dad breathing a lot just so that way I could have something when I felt like I really needed that, that I could go back to and listen. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah. Asking questions, inviting vulnerability where you have capacity for and asking for help. If you need help, that's okay. And I feel like sometimes, you know, sometimes we feel like I'm the only one that can handle this. I feel like so often in grief, we we really feel like we're the only ones that have been through a situation. 
And there might be specifics to what we're going through that, that are specific to our individual situation. But the more and more people you talk to about this, you know, like most people have lost someone, have been through some kind of stage of grief. And even if we feel alone, we're not actually alone. And when we find the capacity to open up and let other people into that space of grief with us, you'll find that, that there are so many people that can share similar experiences with you. But, you know, that's all when, when people are ready. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like, I'm, I'm going to have a weird moment of vulnerability and honesty with the world. Um, but you know, like I, like, when I've had people who I'm close to die, like I have noticed that I like, I shut down a little bit and it's like hard for me to uh, understand how to interact with someone. I think, you know, because of this, like this weird divide that we have around death, this like thing where it's like, it's like, do we, do we talk about it? Do we talk about this person dying? Um, Like, you know, with, that person and i think this thing that i always wonder is like i'm like what what do what do people what do people want like that you what have you found people like want when they're when they're dying when they're sick when they have terminal conditions that everyone is aware about like yeah what what do people want what i imagine they don't want are these like awkward conversations where like no one's really talking about it or where people are hyper focusing on it and like i get caught in the like where's the middle ground between those things um and like personally like i'm like i don't know i i can be not like blunt but just like i super willing to talk about like awkward things that are in the room um yeah yeah i don't know that's a weird broad question but yeah what do what do what do people want when they're sick or? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And obviously it's going to depend person to person. And because of that, I think really just, you know, use your active listening skills and follow their lead. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely okay to ask questions. I feel like in some instances, people really want to talk about what's going on with them or the things that they're scared of or resolving some aspects of conflict. And sometimes people want to act like it's not happening at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and a part of that is people holding out, you know, some, some form of hope that at the, you know, at the 11th hour, something's going to come in and change their situation. Um, and, And there's a lot of different, different reasons for how engaged people do, or don't want to be, but I think it's, it's always okay. You know, people are so worried about saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't really think that that's, I don't really think that that's possible. I think that as long as you're approaching someone with love and compassion and you're not pushing anything, if, if you get the impression or someone says that they don't want to talk about something, let let them let them be the guide and and don't push it but i think oftentimes um you know people might not want to you know constantly be harboring on you know the 
the terminal cancer that they have or something. So you can ask them about aspects of their day that brought them joy. You know, it doesn't have to be just because someone's dying that like, that's not the end of their life. Yeah. Until they die. So, you know, there's there's still a lot of room for for joy and connection and intimacy that has nothing to do with with the inevitability of their situation. And, you know, I think that's true for for grieving people, too, which maybe we'll touch on in the future. But I feel like when someone has someone close to them that dies, you know, people might not oftentimes people don't talk to them about that because they're worried about, you know, bringing up something that feels hard or, you know, they just don't, people are scared of not having the right thing to say. And I think that, you know, asking questions and allowing people space to, to communicate their needs and desires. And, you know, for me, when I'm sitting with patients, families after they die, one of my one of my favorite questions is to ask them about a story or like to ask them to tell me something that they really loved about that person um and that's that can be like a really special moment because people you know we all like to to brag on our people and and bring that softness into the room and give people the opportunity to just like really express um gratitude and joy around this thing that they're that they're gonna miss um yeah yeah it i feel like this isn't you know too much of a surprise but it it, from everything that you've just described it's it seems like the best way to interact with people is to continue treating them like a person and having these like like humble and and human interactions in ways that you you know in the ways that we hope that we're interacting with or treating like loved ones in all parts of our life already exactly but it's it's like when death when death is suddenly a factor when sickness is suddenly a factor it's like something it's like something changes and i don't know would would, does that does that feel does that feel true or I guess or that's something I experienced so I guess it's true but like what yeah yeah I think it can change and I think that keeping our eyes on on how those things are are changing you know like um is important like maybe you have a close friend who's who's dying so obviously it feels like something is changing but again like as we just said like treating those people like people asking about their day you know the more um kind of mundane things and yeah i guess like i guess what i was thinking is like questioning like, you know, potential for internalized ableism around like how things are changing or why they're changing and um, Mm -hmm. making sure that we aren't projecting that change onto someone unnecessarily. 
because things are changing all the time, every day, in every situation for all of us. Yeah. Whether we're facing um, an, an imminent life-ending situation or not. Yeah, maybe that's not exactly the question that you were asking, but... Oh, no, yeah, I, I think that definitely That's... covers it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought of I thought of this other thing while you were talking about that with like, um, I feel like it's like maybe the thing that changes sometimes uh, is like, it's like when, when someone, when we know that someone is sick or like uh, going to die um, or likely going to die or like it's a question in the room. It's like, it's like a, it's this, this, this is not the word that I want to use, but I don't know what other word to use. It's like, it's, it's suddenly like they are like, uh, uh, in God, I really don't want to use this word. Really going to try to think of another one. Um, not like a pariah, but like, it's like, they're like, it's like a, it, I can't think of another word to use. So I'm just going to use it. No one, this obviously this word has like different contexts but it's like almost like an othering experience where like this person is suddenly like just something else and or like an alien that's totally. also that's also not the word but like fragile is fragile yeah maybe fragile yeah 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 i think you know giving space for the potential of fragility makes sense, but I think it's also really important to not treat people like they're fragile just because they're dying or just because they're extremely sick unless they have signified to you that that is, is a way that they want to be interacted with. You know, I think I've definitely heard that a lot especially from, you know, uh, you know, I was an oncology nurse for a long time. And I feel like I, I heard that a lot from my oncology patients is just being like, yes, I have cancer. Yes. I'm fucking dying. No, I don't want to be treated like I'm, you know, like suddenly incapable of making decisions for myself or like everything is going to hurt me or, you know, like, yeah there i think that it is really you bring up a really good point about the othering aspect and i think that that's what's like from my understanding um a lot of what disability justice stuff is is working on is trying to like shift the narrative of that othering um and yeah because that's like that's a big thing for like 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 disability communities like in our society is is that they kind of get othered in this way or like like yeah yeah i don't know is that i we we don't have a ton of time but i would love to if you have anything to say about bringing kind of that lens into this conversation of of death dying and like the conjunction with disability I mean, large, that's a larger cover. Yeah, that could be a that could thing. Be a, yeah, that is a totally. very, <laughs> yes. that is a very large conversation. But I think, as far as how we treat each other, just yeah, really 
following people's lead and believing them when they say how they do or don't want to be treated. And that's true for all forms of living. That's true for all forms of dying, you know, just making sure that we're checking ourselves, not projecting our own sense of urgency on each other and just letting letting those people, meaning in the situation, people that are dying, you know, d- direct how things go. And yeah, there's, there's really so much that could be said on that topic. And I'm so happy that you touched on it. Um, yeah, and- I feel bad just touching on it, but it's kind of like where the conversation ended up totally. going and flowing. Um, but which, yeah, it, it I guess, yeah, I guess like what I would just love to say about it in it's like more brief context is um that it's it seems like a lot of the a lot of things that are applicable to the world of death and dying are like things that um disabled people have been uh talking about for a very long time already Absolutely. and like doing a lot of work around. Um obviously they're not the same things but there's seems like there's similar things that come up um in both of in both of these like situations and yeah we should we should do a a different other episode about that that whole conversation yeah there's so much to be said and this is a really important thing to talk about so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um with that, we we are kind of coming up on the end of our time for this, what turned into like a two-parter episode. Um, as much as I would love to make it a three-parter episode, <laughs> um, I, I probably can't can't talk for another hour. Um, but yeah, obviously I would love to have, have you and Wone and, and, and or like other people from like Woven Ends to come back on and like talk about, talk about grief and mourning and celebration even and i i just want to mention this because it's like a piece obviously we could do a whole episode about this too there's so many things to talk about um but uh so you used to do a a workshop um about death and dying and that's actually what got me interested in doing this episode is that i went to one of these workshops you know years and years and years ago and as we've been doing this podcast it's been this like constant kind of question in my mind is like is how do we prepare for death as a community and you know maybe we maybe we can do an episode in the future that's just about that um but uh there is this there's this little piece from it that i just want to bring into this conversation that i you know probably could have gone in a different spot of the talk but obviously we need to the important thing is to like have conversations as a community about about death about dying about preparing to die um, or preparing to get sick or preparing to have some large life-changing thing happen um and one of the things that that brought up for me was this idea that like you know like a lot of people especially queer and trans people like have some amount of separation between like their lives and their like 
biological family or like the family that raised them. And these worlds can look very different. Like a lot of us can build these like separate worlds where we're like, we're these two different people, depending on like mm-hmm. how out we are to our family, to our biological families or families that raised us. And it brought up this big thing for me where I was like, oh, one big conversation that I need to have with my friends and my chosen family is how to talk to my the, the people that raised me and my biological family, like two groups of people that I love, but two, two groups of people that I have like very different and separate relationships with. And like, you know, for like other people, like thinking about things like does your like if your chosen family and your biological family if they have to interact like does your biological family or the people that raised you like do they know what name you go by do they know that you're queer do they know that you're trans do they know that like what like what gaps and information are there and like having conversations with your friends now about like things that they might have to deal with if you get sick or die um, in oh, having really? those conversations with people who might like, it might be great and civil and wonderful and like, like everything goes really, really well and it's really joyous or it might be incredibly conflictual and difficult and yeah, not really a question, just a, a piece that I really wanted to, bring into the conversation but yeah definitely and i yeah i think as much information as you can give your chosen family about how you want those interactions to go you know some people are you know out to their community but aren't out to their family and would like to remain not out to their family yeah and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think as as a form of respect, you know, people need to use names and pronouns that are consistent with what someone is asking for in, in those situations. And again, that that is one of the many reasons why these conversations are so are so important and again just to keep plugging advanced directives why advanced directives are so important and you know if we can write down even if if for some reason you don't feel like you can have those conversations with your family or your community or you know you you can write it down and and give someone a sealed envelope that's like in case i die please read this this is how I want things to, this is how I want to be talked about. This is how, you know, because I believe and really trust at the end of the day that, that people, people want to honor you and in the ways that you want to be honored and, and do really want to respect you and, and make decisions that are like good and, and safe for the individual as well as the community. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, do you have any kind of last, last things to say? Anything that we didn't talk about? Any questions that I should have asked you that I didn't? 
I don't think so. I just want to thank you so much for opening the space. I know that it is really a hard thing for people to talk about. Um, you know, when we talk about death generally, it's hard not to think about death specifically um, in our own circumstances and dealing with the fact that other people die means that we have to deal with the fact that we are going to die. And yeah, I, it just feels really special to be in communication with you about this. And yeah, I just, I feel really grateful that y'all were, uh, that you were willing to open the space and this dialogue. And yeah, I just, I really feel like it's important and yeah, special. And I, I feel so grateful. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, totally. Thank, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I, I love talking about these things and I'm so glad that there's people doing so much really amazing work around opening up these spaces and maintaining these spaces. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously the the work that, that you've already done to do that has like made it so that I want to bring these conversations into, into this, into this space of community preparedness. Um, so yeah, thank you. Um, is there, uh, is there anywhere on the internet that, uh, you would like to be found or that Woven Ends would like to be found? Um, <clears throat> the answer can be no. Don't find yeah. me. Um, <laughs> currently, no for Woven Ends. And honestly, no for me too. I do. I have an old Death Doula Instagram account that I used to refer people to, but I don't, I don't really use it. It's not a good resource tool so no um <laughs> i love it i love when people can't yeah. be found and shouldn't be yeah. found on the internet um but if people have dire questions uh, um gosh we really should have some kind of email or something maybe i can send that to you yeah 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 After yeah we can put some stuff the, in the show notes some some sort of way for people yeah because i don't yeah i if people want or i don't have a quick like here's my twitter handle thank god yeah um cool cool yeah if you have anything send it to us we'll throw it in the show notes shows episode's Great. not going to come out for a couple weeks probably um okay but yeah cool thank you so much Yay! for coming on and we will see you and won back hopefully soon to talk talk more about this definitely thank you have a good day you too bye thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please live like you will die because we all will but more importantly talk to your community your families your friends your ancestors about death because having these conversations doesn't have to be scary and having them now can really make a difference in others' lives and for our end of lives. You should also tell people about the show. You can support this podcast by telling people about it. Um, 
you can support this podcast by talking about it on social media, by rating and reviewing and doing whatever the nameless algorithm calls for. Feed it like a hungry god. But if you would like to support us in other sillier ways that don't involve feeding a nameless and mysterious entity, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. Our Patreon helps pay for things like transcriptions, our lovely audio editor bursts, as well as going to support our publisher, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is the publisher of this podcast and a few other podcasts, including my other show, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, a monthly podcast for anarchist literature, and the Anarcho Geek Power Hour, which is the podcast for people who love movies and hate cops. And we would like to shout out a couple of our patrons in particular. Thank you, Carson, Lord Harkin, Trickster, Princess Miranda, Ben Ben, Anonymous, Funder, Hans, Oxalis, Janice and Odell, Paige, Allie, Paparuna, Milica, Boise Mutual Aid, Theo, Hunter, Sean, SJ, Paige, Mickey, Nicole, David, Dana, Chelsea, Kat J, Starro, Jennifer, Eleanor, Kirk, Sam, Chris, Micaiah, and the Eternal, Haas the Dog. We could not do this without y'all, and I it, I love how wacky and long this list is getting. I love it so much. Thank you so much. Um, and I hope that everyone is doing as well as they can with everything that's happening. And I hope that this conversation, I don't know, gets you talking with your community or just instigates some some good conversations about something that is weird and scary. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.